This is Mel Recall, episode 11. I'm Nal Hope, and as always, I'm joined by Aaron Cascala. How's it going, man? It's going good. Ready to get back into it. Absolutely. We've had a little bit of time off, but we're good good to go, and uh, it's Aaron's turn. So what are we here to listen to and why? Alrighty. Uh, this one's going to be uh, <clears throat> an interesting one, because there's uh, not a lot of praise uh, outside of my own personal circle on this one. <laughs> Hakati Enthroned. Right. A Welsh symphonic black metal band, um, and the album we're reviewing is Redimus, their fourth studio album. Nice. And before we go any further, are we are we a hundred percent sure with that pronunciation? Yeah, uh, I. <laughs> yeah, good good question. I've been calling it Hecate and Throne for quite some time. Uh, great question. Doing some research before the podcast, it is in fact Hecate. Hecate. Uh, the band's name alludes to the ancient Greek goddess of magic and ne- necromancy. So basically, a witch. Nice. Yeah, I, I thought when you said it to me, I thought Hecate, but that's probably just because I'm familiar with Tecate beer. So that's where <laughs> I got it. But um, hey, it works. So why why did you why did you choose this particular album? You alluded to the fact that it's a little bit of a controversial choice. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, just a, a bit of a backstory on the band. They are um, they've been around since 1993, and black metal was just kind of forming. You know, the uh, Lords of Chaos book, the film that is based on that era was was when this was all happening. And although they were not Norwegian or of that part of Europe, and they're Welsh, they're they're of that era. And they've always kind of captured the original blackened sound of, of, of black metal. But the reason I picked this album um, in particular is, and although I like their other albums, this album in particular um, appeals to me because it's so stripped down production-wise. Yeah. It's so raw. It's... Again, going back to the whole idea of black metal being blackened, it just sounds so stripped down and raw, like it was recorded in a cave. Like they really don't care about the production. You get really raspy highs and trebles. You get muffled lows. Mm-hmm. The bass is muffled, and and things don't always sound as good as they could production-wise. Uh, lyrically, it's really fucked up and demonic satanic lyrics yeah and of all their albums it still genuinely scares me in 2020 it's sonically frightening lyrically frightening and uh the message behind it is it sounds pretty authentic and it's not really bringing corpse paint theatrics or any jokes or tongue-in-cheek it's pretty straightforward on the nose and it's nasty it's definitely those last two things on the nose and nasty um and you know i i didn't know anything about the band before you you mentioned it and one of the great things about us doing this is that you know we 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 sometimes try to um challenge each other and i you know i remember when you said to me let's do this one if you think you're up to it and i was like all right the challenge is laid the challenge is laid down and you know the great thing again is like you know you start to investigate all these genres of music. We had it with 
xenobiotic before that I didn't know yeah. anything about. And you just you go down the rabbit hole and you exploit and put out your comfort zone. And it's really good. But as as someone who's not ever really been that familiar with this genre, I wanted to ask you, and it's not in, meant to sound intentionally provocative, but what what do you like about this kind of music? Like what 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 hooks you into it, you know? That's a great question. <clears throat> uh cuz I know a lot of people I mean, we've definitely got an age gap uh which I'm not going to say that's a factor, but being around and having the context of being around this genre of metal when it when it was debuting at the time and there's nothing like it is definitely uh a factor and so I'll be completely honest when black metal first came out it was my college roommate playing it and he would play it at night when he was going to sleep wow. <laughs> and this guy uh, had a pretty good ride through college I had to work slinging boxes at UPS mm-hmm. so after college I worked a job I, sorry I, after college I'd come back to the dormitories to eat Go to a job, another second, a job for four hours, slinging boxes in the back of a truck, and then come home, try to decompress for 30 minutes to an hour, and then go to bed. And he would play black metal, <laughs> unapologetic, not even asking me if I cared, or maybe I, I can't even remember. Maybe I just was like, whatever. And I'd lay in my bed while this, like, he played a lot of this original black metal Fucking and it hell. would frighten the hell out of me. Was he lying there in his corpse pain? <laughs> <laughs> he did take some pictures and, and dabble in that. Fair enough. But um, he, was also, he was also a massive fan of horror films like Evil Dead and uh, you know Army of Darkness, all those films. And so I think it was a matter of time being a, already being a metalhead but not really being familiar with black metal that over, I'm not going to say deep time, but over like three to six months, it started to grow on me. I started to listen to it with a different ear. I started to appreciate it sonically, but not take it literally. Mm -hmm. And again, going back to the horror show bit, uh, although although these guys were taking it literal, if you you read Lords of Chaos or seen the film, they did take it pretty literal literal in burned churches, etc., I took it with a grain of salt and enjoyed it for exactly what it was worth for the music. Yeah. And like film in any other kind of art form, I was on board for the ride. Yeah. And so that's how I approach black metal or any music to this day. If I enjoy the ride, I know I can get off, look back and think about what I just listened to. If I enjoyed it, end of story. Yeah. If no one got hurt, end of story. You know, um, we talk about the Michael Jacksons and the uh, racially charged lyrics of certain bands or even... Um, uh, R. Kelly. R. Kelly, yep. Yeah. But for me, uh, I, I find a way to enjoy black metal for what it's worth and uh, I don't give it any more credit than it needs, Yeah. if that and makes sense. Absolutely, and I think, you know, you said there that from my understanding, quite a lot of black metal bands um, and even other bands of the metal genre that deal in the kind of content that you hear in this album, such as a Slayer, mm-hmm. 
saw the the satanic element as more theatrical and just storytelling and it's not that they generally believed in it and that's kind of i guess what you're getting at with you kind of can you enjoy the music and separate yourself from right what what's being said and i think that's easier to do in certain cases than others but you, you said something that um i'm really interested in because it's the same reaction that i had when i first listened to this it's this sense that it's almost the musical equivalent of like a 70s horror film yeah and this this type yeah. of this type of music i think and and most a lot of metal to to be to be perfectly honest appeals to that side of you that likes horror films yeah you know? it's it's like uh, we've talked we've talked about this before on the side that the the relationship between comedy and laughter is directly in your brain connected to the fear factor so like you're laughing at something but you're also scared of something and you're getting off on that it's part of the reptilian side of your brain yeah you know you watch the metal evolution documentary where he analyzes your brain it's like it's fun to scare yourself sometimes yeah absolutely not not everyone's into that but uh going back to that metal evolution documentary if you can scare yourself in a safe place it's fun yeah absolutely yeah. And that's all it is. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, speaking of something that's funny, um, I did a little bit of research into the, the background of the band. And did you know that... <laughs> oh, no. Their original lead single was called Ian Maiden. <laughs> now that, you win. You win, to, mate. To, to me, that sounds like yeah. some someone like changing... Some Iron Maiden fan changing their name... And being like, this is how much I love the band. I'm yeah. Ian, I'm Ian Maiden now. Well, it's not uh, it's not dissimilar to what uh, to what other black metal bands, right? Did mm-hmm. did like like changing the, their Ur- names. Euronymous. Ur- and uh, Death. Death. And, yeah. Yeah. Dead. Sorry. Dead. dead. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, also while we're talking about the band, um, a few things came up to me, and there was one of them was the fact that. Early on in their career, they got criticized for being Cradle of Filth yeah. rip-offs. And I've never been familiar with... Uh, Cradle of Filth was one of those bands when I was growing up that I was like, nah, that shit ain't for me. That scares me too much. I'm, yeah. I'm away from this kind of scene. It's not what I'm in for. So I don't really know too much about the comparison between the two, but it seems like at certain points... They were heavily criticized for it. And also Danny Filth from Cradle of Filth right, was all very negative towards them. Yeah, I can't really touch too much on that point. But sadly enough, they're, they're you know, things don't happen in a vacuum. And it was the same time, the same era. And my roommate that introduced me to this band and other black metal bands was also into Cradle of Filth. Cradle of Filth definitely had a more visual aesthetic yeah they have controversial t-shirts they look the part their live shows apparently are off the chain and wild uh i don't think hakati enthroned i think one of the reasons i gravitated towards hakati enthroned is they don't seem to bring that level of dramatic theatrics visually Mm -hmm. i think they're more about the sound the the art form and just make making making an album whereas uh cradle of filth's more into the marketing visual aesthetic etc and so 
for what it's worth, I'm also not familiar with how much Hecate and Thrones sounds like uh, Cradle of Filth because that was the biggest controversy was that they sounded the same. Yeah. What I can safely say is after doing some research and being a fan of all of Hecate and Thrones albums, this album was a return to the blackened sound, but they also, and we'll get into this, what's what's what I think is special about this album is they're merging death metal styles, they're doing growls, there's symphonic metal keyboards, there's melodies, and then most my most favorite part of this album is the grim screaming. So there's a plethora of oh, elements yeah. that they're pushing into this album that I don't think Cradle of Filth I think Cradle of Filth is more symphonic and theatrical and dramatic, yeah. operatic, borderline. I mean, it makes me makes me wonder whether it's just the Cradle of Filth. I mean, if you're a metalhead, they're a band that you know, even if you don't yeah. know their sound. I wonder whether part of it is just they're the biggest band in the scene. They were. They they were much bigger. Hecate yeah. and Throne come along and it's like, well, they're just trying to be this band. Right. So I mean again, I you know, same to you. I can't really speak to the similarities in their sound. But it's just something that's come up through my research. Yeah. Like so And I mean they're Welsh and they're British, so maybe there's something there. I know the Brits pick on the Irish and the Welsh and the Scottish. Yeah. <laughs> it's all so close. It's Anywho, a small world. But no, I mean at the end of the day, I don't really give a fuck. No. <laughs> and that's why we're reviewing this album. Me neither. Yeah. Right. Let's get in the time machine and go back to 2004. We've been to 2004 before, actually. First episode when we reviewed In Flames. But since we did that one, there's a few other things I wanted to pick out. So um, 2004 will always be known in heavy metal as the year uh, that we lost Dimebag Daryl, unfortunately. Gunned down on stage in Ohio on the 8th of December. So the biggest sort of monumental thing that happened this Tragedy. year. Tragedy. There's a couple of uh, newly formed bands. Um, one that you're probably not into. A bit of a guilty pleasure of mine. A, ba- a band called Alter Bridge. Alter Bridge? Yeah. Never heard of them. Remember Creed? Yeah. It is... All of the rhythm section of Creed with a singer called Miles Kennedy. So. Wow, Niall. Okay. Hey, it's it's not it's not it's not what you think. Okay. You need to check them out. They've got some hooks, but um, I dig that band. So got it. Fuck you. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um, another band um, that we we've we've talked about before, Genghis Tron, formed this yep. year. Um, in terms of reformed bands, Megadeth got back together after a brief hiatus, and they released uh, "The System Has Failed" this year. Other albums that were released, Three Inches of Blood, Advance and Vanquish. Don't know if you've ever heard of those guys. Um, as I mentioned before, Alter Bridge, they released their debut One Day Remains. Amonomath, one of one of your yep. favorite bands, yep. Fate of Norns, was released this year. Um, Behemoth released Demigod. Black Label Society released Hangover Music Volume 6. Funnily enough, this is in the list, but Bon Jovi released... A hundred million Bon Jovi fans can't be wrong. And um, I don't know. I we might have to edit that later yeah. in the... Uh... <laughs> well, I, I brought it up because I take exception to that statistic. I don't think that the amount of people that are into something suggests that there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I, I seem to remember, if I did my research correctly, that 
um, the Nazi party had quite a few followers yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Baloney detection kit says no. <laughs> Sorry, has baloney. Not that I'm comparing Bon Jovi fans to Nazis. Yeah, easy but, now, you know, easy. Yeah. A lot of people can still make wrong decisions. <laughs> um, Cannibal Corpse released The Wretched Spawn. Uh-huh. I don't know if you're a fan of that one. Um, Cradle of Filth released Nymphetamine. Okay. Uh, Damage Plan, as we mentioned, Dimebag, yep. they released their one and only album, Newfound Power. Danzig released Circle of Snakes. The Dillinger Escape Plan released Miss Machine. I know you're mm-hmm. uh, fond of those guys. Um, a band called Drowning Pool released Desensitized. Don't know if you ever heard those, but I quite like like them. Definitely know who they are. Back in the day. Exodus, old uh, Bay Area Thrash Band released Tempo of the Damned. Fear Factory released Archetype. So good. The list goes on. There's quite a few in, in this yeah. year. God, God, God forbid, released Gone Forever, which is a fantastic album. Um, our first episode, In Flames, Soundtrack to Your Escape, was released this year, as was Kill Switch Engage, The End of Heartache, which, you know, in the metalcore, new wave of American heavy metal, that was a big one too, as was Ashes of the Wake by Lamb of God. So some great albums this year. Masterpiece. Mastodon released Leviathan. I mentioned Megadeth, The System Has Failed. Motorhead released Inferno. Not too familiar with that. Come on. Propane, another band that we've reviewed before, released yeah. Fistful of Hate. Yeah. This one's for our good friend Simon. Rammstein released Rise, Rise. <laughs> Slipknot released Volume 3, The Subliminal Verses. And another metalcore band, Unearth, released The Oncoming Storm. Um, one other... Uh, Thing. I think we touched on this before, but uh, Supergroup Velvet Revolver released Contraband. Nice. So that's 2004. Um, quite a uh, busy year. Yeah. Quite a lot of albums. Right. Um, so we're here to discuss Redimus by Hecate Enthroned. So is there anything that we need to discuss about the background of the album, mate, do you think? Yeah, uh, just just glancing over the <clears throat> the the brief here. Redimus is Latin for "We Return." It's the fourth studio album. Uh, symphonic black metal. But let's touch on the other uh, adjectives I'd like to use. It's definitely blackened. It's death metal. It's grim. It's bleak. It's very hollow sounding. It's scary. There's growling. Uh, there's growling vocals. There's screaming vocals there's soaring keyboards they're just absolutely wretched just high on the trouble just wretched screams mm-hmm. that just like they didn't even bother I mean maybe they did they didn't bother doing any po- they didn't do enough post production so you're getting it's pretty blistering in your ears yeah. when you hear the screaming uh, and it so, feels intentional though, doesn't it? Like, yeah, I think and that's it's all part of. And that's why I like yeah, this album. Yeah. It's it's, you know, when you you talk about production and mastering the the album, the mastering of the sound, uh, I don't think they mastered it. But if they if this was the intention, it's the masterpiece in my eyes. Yeah. Um, and th- it seems like um, I think you mentioned this before, but you know, to this point, this was their fourth studio album, and they had from what i understood they kind of come upon a sound with their previous album was it uh, i want to say lords of chaos lords it's not it's not lords of chaos is it because that's the no um 
Jesus. Um, <clears throat> it was their previous album. They yes. come upon the sound, and then they kind of they were coming into their own with this album. And, and it Kings of Chaos. Kings of Chaos. Yep. Um, easy to make that mistake. Yep. And then they kind of... Which is good as well. Yeah, and they kind of f- followed on from that sound with this one. And I guess to be completely transparent and honest, I actually like Kings of Chaos... Very, very, virulent rapture. Better than this album, so I, I'm picking this album as an oddity just because it's it's got a special place for me because it's so, it's just so underproduced, blackened and bleak. Uh, I don't really visit this album that often, but I thought mm. it'd be cool to review it just in case anyone else might be into it. Yeah, no, I respect you picking this one because you know. We'll get into this when we go into some reviews, but it, it does seem to be not so much divisive, but kind of, and not so much universally, but not the favorite one for a lot of people. Sure. So I, I feel like what's coming up for you is a lot of defending this album. <laughs> I'm a, yeah, again, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, all ego aside and snobbery, I'm on my own. I know, I know I'm on my own on this one, but the, uh, like I said, it's it, it it does cater to me in the sense that it's got a, a dynamic range of things going on. The death metal style guitars, uh, tremolo tempos, it's got growls, symphonic keyboards, melodies, grim screaming. There's even progressive tendencies. There's even an acoustic track that's heavily influenced by Spanish flamenco music. Yeah. <laughs> and it has um, a cover illustration or woodcut. Yep. By um, Albert uh, Albrecht Dürer. Albrecht Dürer. Oh, I'm not going to attempt it. You got to roll think, the R. I think he did it all right. There. Yeah, German. And it comes from St. Michael fighting the dragon. So this is really cool, I think. And obviously, every time we do this, we like to take a little bit of a, a look at the album artwork. So mm-hmm. we always like where there's a bit of a backstory to the illustration or the, the cover. And I think this is obviously no exception. It's a famous piece. Mm-hmm. It's from 1498. It's part of his Apocalypse the- uh, series illustrating the Book of Apocalypse or Revelation of St. John. So it's obviously biblical in its in its message. And I, I, I had a little bit of a, a research on this particular piece. So nice. what it's to represent. Um, and the start of it will read you out a Bible passage, actually. Um, Because this is what it's depicting. So it goes, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And that's from uh, Revelation 12.7, I believe. So it depicts a a war between heaven and hell, between good and evil. Um, The archangel Michael is uh, depicted as the commander of the army of God, and he's leading the other angels in the fight against evil, represented in this picture by a seven-headed dragon. And each of the dragon's heads represents one of the seven deadly sins. And you said they didn't win? <laughs> no, I, th- I think they did win. Oh, they did win. Okay, I they thought, did it, win. thought there was a bit that said that... Oh, no, no, it says... They n- neither won, or neither... No, neither was their place found anymore in heaven, so it's... Got it. I, I interpreted that they kind of yeah. vanquished vanquished the evil. Yeah. Um. And then, you know, beneath beneath the piece, 
now we're, we're talking exclusively of the illustration because there's more going compositionally mm-hmm. on the uh, the front cover. Beneath the piece is more of a, a uh, calmer countryside, which is quite interesting as a, you know, in a way this kind of reminds me of the front cover to Formation of Damnation when you had all those angels, right. to, you know, above yeah. the, the skies of Washington. Yep. You have this calm countryside and this this battle between good and evil yeah. happening above it. So, I mean, I mean, fucking hell, this came from 1498. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah. When you actually see the piece the way it was supposed to be seen, not within the context of this front cover, yeah, it's remarkable that this is a woodcut. Yeah, it's I'm, fantastic. I'm a, a massive fan. I have uh, several books uh, at home of his work, and he's he's famous for his woodcuts or his yeah his his um his style is just very um, iconic and detailed and. Yeah, yeah, he's got a lot of history. And he's got the, you, you can see the A and D monogram Always. right in the center. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Um, so before we like give any assessment of this, why do you think that they chose this image? Because you alluded it to it before, the subject matter of the album is, I think at times, very anti-Christianity. Yeah. Or anti-religion in general. Yeah. And if, if I've interpreted this piece correctly, mm-hmm. this is evil being vanquished. However, the title of the album, Redimus, which I think means... We return. We return. Yep. We, we, we re, yeah, we return. Yep. Are they suggesting, like, you may have won the battle, but you haven't won the war, and that's why they chose it? Yeah, well said. Um, if I could answer that, I would say I think you're 100% right on that aspect of it because once you take a deep dive into the lyrical content, it's very much uh, heavy on the satanic side of things where if you read the book of Satan, or I mean, I've never read the full front-to-back version, but I do have a copy, but it's common knowledge that the manifesto hijacked from uh, Crowley is uh, Alistair 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 Crowley Crowley is is the do what thou wilt yeah and basically uh, don't really take any time or concern necessarily for anyone else but just do what you want in life and of course when you get into the the deeper part of satanic philosophies um that could include some perversions. Um, you know, I'm just going to recite some of the lyrics from the song. Apprehension and excitement engulf me. Um, expedition of indulgence, blasphemy, atrocity. And again, going back to something I've touched on in other podcasts, that's just part of life. And although I'm not satanic or adhere to any religion... These are things that are just part of life, and it's interesting to explore that in a safe space through the music. And I think that's what the cover reflects, uh, is the battle, the constant battle that is just part of being human, yeah. of you know, flirting with, with being good versus evil. Uh, what's, what's considered good? What's considered evil? What's safe? What's, you know... I, I don't know if I'm making any sense, but like, 
I think you where, are. Where do you draw the line? And they're clearly they're clearly vocal about the fact that they don't really care about the line. And yeah. I part of me gravitates towards that. But you know, I got my own personal beliefs. Definitely don't want anyone to get hurt. But um, <laughs> uh, it's interesting to explore those themes both visually and sonically and lyrically. Yeah, and I think what what I like about it is that contrast between the image of what looks to be quite a, a glorious victory for heaven or good. Right. Counteract that with the statement, Redimus, we return. So I... It's not over. It's not over. <laughs> and I think that's what you're saying is like the constant, yeah. you know constant battle going on and aesthetically choosing I, I think in general everything about this album defies the year that it came out like yeah you yeah. wouldn't would listen to this or look at this and think this is an album that came out in 2004 right do you know what I mean it, yeah it, it looks like this could have this it looks like a front cover that you might have seen at the end of the 70s, yeah, early 80s. It's, it's clearly intentional, yeah. if you ask me. Yeah. You know, it's... Compositionally, it's awkward. Yeah. You know, you, it looks like they've maybe... Str- they wanted to use this piece of art, but they've struggled to find a way to get their yeah. logo on, the Redimus. It, so they kind of shunted it over to the left and yeah. created this black border. But at the same time, it has this weird retro 70s just black and white album horror movie kind of vibe to it which i think is all part of the charm and i actually quite like it yeah it's like yeah when i first looked at it i was like i mean you didn't really even try yeah but i think there's just this retro rough yeah charm to it yeah because the other albums they just they it looks like they just bought or stole a stock image of like a rotting corpse or something yeah. basic and I mean although they stole they stole from the best they're using Albert Albrecht Durer's uh, illustration and it's a masterpiece hell all of his work is a masterpiece I've seen it live in the flesh mm-hmm. at, at museums up at Lincoln Center oh nice yeah everything they're else beautiful pieces everything else about the front cover, the, the Hecate and Thrones logo, and the oh, their logo is great. <laughs> their logo is the banner, classic banner. Yeah, with the pentagram. It's just, it's. I guess it's what you'd expect, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, you have to give it a mark out of ten. What do you think you'd go for? Oh, just because it's Albrecht Durer, I I have to give it a nine. Oh, nice. Eight and a half or eight and a half nine, because they used Albrecht. And their logo is supreme, but they don't get a perfect 10 because they really just stole it. So, eight or a nine. All right. I'm, uh, <laughs> hmm. now, now, now you challenge me there. Are you familiar with his work? Um, you really need to take a deep dive. Familiar, familiar with the name? And probably if you showed me a bunch of his work, I'd be like, oh, I know that. You know, yeah, it's one you, of those things. You do, I'm sure you do but you I, don't, I'm right? I'm sure I know it. Okay, I'm going to give it a seven. Yeah. Um, I think I love, love the use of that image I think it's so fantastic um, I love what they're trying to go for you know again compositionally it's it's kind of awkward yeah um, the composition is off it's not even one thirds two thirds 
but there is there is kind of a, an odd charm in that so you know yeah. and and this is the kind of thing that you, we've talked about this before they weren't trying too hard no um i think it's all part, Char- of, part of the charm. parcel but yeah. also we talked about this before like would you wear it on a t-shirt probably because it's kind of cool yeah awesome all right as i uh said before this is probably the time where you're going to have to start defending because <laughs> we're going to get into the review section so I guess question for you mm-hmm. would you like the good news first or the bad news oh the bad news first right yeah okay so we're going to start it off with a really scathing review yeah yeah from, from Blabbermouth yeah 2 out of 10. Woo! Yeah. Brutal. Right down the bottom. That's... And this is... The gutter. This The author of this review is a, a fella called Tony Daly. This uh-huh. is quite vitriolic. So yeah. I'll read it out to you. Read pieces. Get your opinion on it. You should never judge a book by its cover, of course. Neither then should you judge a band like Hakate and Throne by the intricacy of their album cover art, which depicts angels and demons sparring mightily in the heavens above a sleepy countryside scene. Um, as a piece of gloomy illustrative work, this is pretty impressive. Hakate and Throne are anything but impressive. <laughs> so, starting as he means to go on here, but this is where it like this is where the real substance comes in. Think back to a time when the corpse paint was as thick as it is now, but none of the black metal fraternity really knew their way around their instruments. Mm. This is where Redimus fits right in yeah. with all its clumsy, overambitious, poorly executed mythology. Yeah. As an album, it doesn't really warrant the intro of Spooky Ambience, helpfully titled Intro, because there's nothing of any substance to build up to. He goes on, Soil of Sin, a collision of predictable one-fingered guitar stabs and generic guitars, sinful indeed. And as soiled as a public bathroom during a, <laughs> during a dysentery outbreak. Wow! No one hears? You shouldn't really have to, but check out the disastrous drumming anyway. It's hard to choose between that and the rest of the band for who comes up with the worst performance. Love it. I love reading reviews when they use such like elaborate terms yeah. to describe what they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, he, he took he, he he really tried hard on that. But before I before I get your opinion on that, I would have to say that I think that is over the top. It's over criticism. the top. Yeah, I think it's over the top, especially considering it's her fourth album. Do you do you like do you agree with this last statement? It's hard to choose between that and the rest of the band for who comes up with the worst performance, alluding to the drums. It didn't strike me as an album where I felt like it was a bad performance. It wasn't a bad performance, but I I will agree that the drums, going back to I said this at the beginning of of, of our recording t- tonight, that the it goes back to the production. The drums they're not they're not mastered very well. They sound mm. very muffled. And whether they intended to do that or not, again goes back to the I'm gonna abuse this word when defending but the charm of the album is uh is just is that's just the fact of the matter is it's definitely it, it, the the performance is is perfectly fine in my opinion the execution sorry the the fine tuning of the production is what needs lots of polishing but it wouldn't sound the way it does if they polished it mm-hmm. so yeah it's a turd that needs polishing so no, nobody's wrong when they describe it that way, but 
It's a turd of a feather that flocks together. <laughs> he finishes the review by saying, ultimately, Redimus must go down as one of the least threatening black metal albums of all time. Say what you like about Cradle of Filth, but at least they know how to make an occasion of their albums. That goes back to the theatrics you talked about. Yeah. If Danny Filth hears this, he'll be pissing his spiky little codpiece with laughter. Got away with words, this guy. Yeah, and obviously he's defending... Or he's taking sides, and I mean, yeah, I don't know what to say. <laughs> okay, I'll go on. There's another one that I got that is, um, there's no there's no rating, but mm. the review isn't fantastic. Um, it's from a version line. A version online, yep. Um, so it starts with, after a semi-Hellowates-ish intro, which I picked up on as well, I was thinking that sounds very Slayer-ish, of reversed voices and distant wails, Underneath windy foreground textures, this UK act plunges into some some speedy black and death metal that's really not doing much for me. They've been around for quite some time, and I never had an interest in them, and now I know why, because it's generally a very stale-sounding disc, if I must be so brash. Mm. Um, this is where, again, this is kind of where it gets interesting, so... I've heard far worse than this, and there's some killer riffs present from time to time, but by and large, the songwriting is boring... I'm not into the keyboards at all. They do nothing but clutter up the mix and take away from the aggression. I dislike the lead vocals and much prefer the lower growls. And most of the songs rely too heavily on boring speeds that lack energy and get redundant. As mentioned, there are some truly powerful elements at work. And usually the darker mid-placed riffing that flirts with some dissonance is excellent. But the keyboards really fuck things up. And the recording has some minor issues that play a big role in that. I can't argue with any of that. Dissonance is that's that's a great adjective word to use. The dissonance. I mean, the one thing that really stands out to me here, because he goes on to say the most significant problem is that the keyboards clutter the mix and fuck with the clarity. The synths really need to get lost on that one. And before we kind of go into our personal feelings, I would say that that is a sentiment that I do kind of share. Yeah, they they're jarring. They're jarring. They feel forced. They feel forced. And like they shouldn't be there. At least not all the time, because they used like excessively on this album. And I think one one line that he says that is like totally clicks with me is they clutter up the mix and take away from the aggression. And I think there are some seriously brutal parts on this album. Right. That you just wish the synth was kind of used a little bit more sparingly. Is that where it feels seventies to you? Sorry. Is that I know you mentioned something about the seventies. Does it feel like a? Is it? Did the? Does the cheesy synth? Oh, I see. Does the cheesy synth bring the the seventies horror to the table? It do bring, you think? It to me, it brings a little bit more this kind of Phantom of the Opera yeah. kind of theatrics yeah. to it. It's the only part that's theatrical. Yeah, I think so. Um, he, fi- he finally says uh, it's a shame because despite being quite bored by what is essentially a mediocre record here. I think the band does have a knack for writing strong riffs. I'd agree with that. Yeah. I just think they spread their efforts a little wide rather than focusing on their core strengths. Which, again, I think is, a you know, we talked about before how they are running the gamut of a lot of things. Yeah. Think about how many things they've got in this. They've got, they've got um, heavy riffs, like chugging riffs, um, yep. slower guitar parts, synth strings yeah choral elements about four 
five or six actually different vocal styles acoustic guitars spanish guitars piano they could have left some some of it out maybe i think so yeah. i refined it a little bit yeah. and made it a little tighter however one note that's written on the end of this review some of the stuff i wrote from 2000 to 2005 was unintentionally dickish in retrospect so I apologize if this review contains any assholic behavior. <laughs> it's, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Was that like an add-on? Yeah. Wow. I think he must have put that back in after reading back his own reviews. Um, so I mentioned there was some good news. So I quite like this this uh, this uh, website, metalarchives.com, because it tends yeah. to be written more by fans than yeah. it's written by um respected journalists yeah so this one says this is almost perfect 90 percent, and it's written by someone called mordain whoa um and i'll just cut to the chase on this one because this is one thing that really stood out for me personally for the album the thing that really stands out about this album is the atmosphere created the keyboards and the guitars are what generate the ominous darkness that surrounds this album the keys are quite prominent but never overbearing or cheesy that last line, I think, is is, is quite divisive. But mm. the atmosphere created, yeah. I think, is a big, big part of yep. why this is a is a good listen. Finally, he says uh, he or she says, "Sorry, the overall sound of this album is rather unique, and it's quite hard to describe. This is not necessarily atmospheric black metal, but it's close. There are no specific songs I recommend, but starting at song four, the rest of the album is brilliant. I mean, ninety percent and." This is almost perfect. Is is the flip side to that? I would not give it a perfect. I would never say this album is perfect. Uh, just a hint towards my rating, but <laughs> it's it's just it's just got a special place for me. There's sure. something about it. Well, that's <laughs> a, that's that's a running theme through the albums that we choose here. Sometimes yeah. you give an album a boost because of its significance to you and like you you remember fond times listening to it that's you know that's why we do what we do it's just scary yeah it's it, still just scary to me this album to 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 echo that review it's it's whether the keyboards are cheesy or not an atmosphere has been created on this album and it's 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 it may not sound production wise great but it's a scary environment a scary atmosphere yeah I agree. And it'd be a great soundtrack to like Mandy or something, to film Mandy. Like. It's it's definitely a horror film soundtrack, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, one final review I'll quickly touch on was from Chronicles of Chaos by someone called Quentin Callis. Gives it a 6 out of 10. So, you know, we've had the good, we've had the bad, and now we kind of get the middle of the road-ish. Uh-huh. Um, and what you said I wanna... that? Or, oh, I see what you're saying. This, this review is the middle of the road. Pretty much. Well, I mean, it's like, it's yeah. good. Yeah. Um, what he hints at, though, which I thought was interesting, I wanted to get your take on, because you're more familiar with the band than I am, is is potentially this lack of a lack of progression. So yeah. he, he, he says, I didn't expect to hear a sound pretty much unaltered since Kings of Chaos. Yeah. In fact, it would come as no surprise if some of the material on offer originated from the same recording session. This is extremely surprising given the five-year gap between the albums. Finally, rounding out the uh, review, saying, there are some memorable moments, and this album is infinitely better than the abortive The Slaughter of Innocents. Uh-huh. But it appears as if Hecate Enthroned only had one good idea, one that is perilously close to exhaustion. Mm. So, 
I, I, I know from my research of the band that actually it seems like they got better and better. Like the majority of albums that I've seen that are rated higher than this one come post. Yeah, and I I agree with I agree with all the sentiment that I'm hearing, including and including that bit that this like Kings of Chaos. Again, I like that album better. So this album almost felt felt like a, a slip backwards in writing and production, all of the above. But that's, but I think it's, I think for me this is the reason I wanted to review this because again, and take it for what it's worth, it, it's still it's because of its poor quality. It just sounds scarier. Yeah, no, I, I it's think like, that's great. It's like these guys slipped back, didn't care, and made something that because it, because they didn't care because it's not polished remains scarier than anything that sounds better sonically yeah I, I and i don't know if that's a contradiction but well it, it, it is it is and it isn't because it i think it's an intentional intentional move and like i said before i think the album defies the year it came out i think yeah to me it's it's all intentional they're making music to make you feel uncomfortable. They're making yeah. music to fucking scare you, like you said, and that's what. And you, we didn't even want... get into the lyrics yet. The lyrics are just. Yeah. What? You want you want an album to move you that way. Yeah. All right, let's take a little break and then let's get into our reviews. All right, dude. So, why don't you kick us off with some overall thoughts on the album? Sure. Uh, going back to the original description, I think all the all the tracks really encompass this. It's it's grim, it's bleak, it's definitely frightening, but there's just a hollow element to the overall sound sonically that I think that's a word I just really want to emphasize. Is it's you know it's it's really underproduced. Sounds like it was recorded in a cave. Yeah. And so that's part of the charm to it. Or some old burnt out church or some shit. Yeah, like that. you know the you can you can hear you can hear the the performance and execution going 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 on, but sonically, it's a little jarring when, especially when the vocals change when it goes from growling to the wretched screams, you can you can feel it tickling your eardrum with with the on the treble, the treble levels are really high, and again whether that's done on purpose or not. It's part of what I like about this album. And so all the songs kind of more or less embody that. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'll go into a little bit of the lyrical content as well that yes. just doubles down. It just doubles down on um, the scary, evil part of this. And, you know, we've, we these are all things we deal with but maybe don't admit. You know, one of the lyrics on the... You know, one the first track's an intro, so the second track, Soil of Sin, I got some notes here. Apprehension and excitement engulf me. Mm-hmm. And I got the whole Anton Levy quote, do what thou wilt, uh, which, you know... Alistair Crowley. Alistair Crowley, but Anton Levy, who wrote the Satanic Bible, embraced that as the Satanic philosophy. Um, another bit of lyrical content on Soil of Sin is an expedition of indulgence. And yeah. so, um, 
I'd like to think I take a lot of calculated risks, but as a as a human being myself, there's definitely moments where you flirt with disaster, and so, I mean, the title of the song says it in itself, Soil of Sin, you know, that's, that's to be human, we all, we're all sinners. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I think it's, it's a, it's a great way to introduce kind of the, the kind of what you're in for with the album, because... No holds barred. I, I picked up, I said before, I picked up on the Hello 8 intro. I like that, the reversed vocals, like all the atmospheric. But then Soil of Sin kit, like explodes, blast beats, growls. Yeah. And, and then that synth just comes in. And all of, you're like, okay, fucking hell, this is what we're here for. And, <laughs> and um, I echo what you said about the, the sound. You're, you're like thinking, this sounds there's a lack of clarity it's like just dirty and raw and I just entered an eerie haunted house and I probably should turn around yeah and I I feel like that's what that first song is supposed to be be like like it's gonna try and scare the shit out of you Uh and you either it's fight or flight I'm glad you (laughs) thought that yeah yeah Uh, and I was like well it has to be fight because I have to review this but (laughs) But, love you man but um i you know it's it actually was one of the things that again that appealed to me was like you know this is this is exactly i go back to it the musical equivalent of a like a fucking yeah, horror film it's just just a piece of art <laughs> And um, I'll just keep it moving, I guess, with the, sure. the next song, Headhunter. I got some notes. They talk about perversion, blasphemy, atrocity, humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, again, what it means to be human. Um, we, you know, we've all got blood on our hands to a degree. Um, the um, oh, angels cry, demons rise for my soul. Man, if you're making angels cry. That's pretty. You're doing something. That's doing pretty something bad. Right or wrong, I don't know which side you fall on that. Yeah, that that song was um, up there for highlights for me actually because. Oh really? I love the the you know it kicks off with that chugging riff. Uh huh. Yeah. There's a, there's a few times that I always have to kind of, I think everyone does this. You kind of equate it back to something that sounds remotely familiar, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of sort of slayer-esque riffs early slayer yeah. riffs in some of this yeah. and, and that headhunter kind of reminded me there was some riffs in soil of sin that i really liked as well it kind of gives way to those more slower paced chugging but um yeah i thought the the way that headhunter kind of kicks off with that nice chugging riff i was a big mm-hmm. fan of that Perversity, blasphemy, atrocity, humanity. When that happens on the song as well, it's pretty impactful. Yeah, and so if that was a highlight for you, I've I've got a 
Well, it's, not, it's not my top track, but it's, no, it's up there. It's a highlight. So my highlights, um, my first highlight is the next one, track four, No One Hears. Love it or hate it, this is where you get some of that whispering, evil whispering yes. vocal. Yeah. So you got growling, screaming, <laughs> and then there's some whispering, just some evil shit, just whispering it, chanting. And again, going to the lyrics, they talk about killing of Jesus Christ, Nazarene. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. it's about as dark as you can get. And it's 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 on the nose, you know, yeah. we, we, we've had we've had multiple discussions um about on the nose storytelling versus a little bit more um, ambiguous right there's nothing particularly ambiguous about no the lyrical content it's straightforward uh, we'll, we'll get onto it with a few other you know the the tracks to follow is where it really starts to be upfront about it but while we're yeah. on um <laughs> while we're on you mentioned that the whispering yeah, that's some haunted house seventy shit. There is something so creepy dial, about dial, that. I'm here. <laughs> From my count, high pitched screams. You mentioned the sort of tremolo, like the treble, yeah, really, like the growling, like the sort of guttural, yeah, like black metal, yeah, muddy. They got spoken word. They got whispering. They've got clean vocals. Like it really does run the gamut. Yeah, and that the first time I heard that whispering, I was like. Fucking hell! Yeah, it's it's done intentionally to make you like fucking creeped yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. It, it could be cheesy, but I think it's genuinely. Cre- I think it's genuinely creepy. Oh yeah, I think there are some um, cheesy moments on this album, yeah, but that wasn't are. that wasn't one of them for me. I right. actually quite enjoyed that, and it it goes along with. I think it's one of those if you kind of on the ride, like you said. Yeah. Then there's a lot you can tolerate. Yeah. Nice. Um, wh- while you mentioned it, you know, we, I feel like it's it's appropriate to to discuss some of the lyrical content. Yeah. The following track to no one hears is the face of betrayal. Yeah, I got some I, notes. And I, I mean, I I, I wrote down a number of I, I sort of highlight a number of these, um, these uh, lyrics and hearing it's it really is a scathing attack on um. Christianity. Oh yeah, so, that's that's the song. I mean, it kicks off with, I mean, the face of betrayal is essentially Jesus Christ's face. Yep. As you hang upon the cross, the lies are already there. More of an unholy cult, the face of betrayal. No real truths, just more lies. Millions sucked in, like. And then, I mean, then you have the chorus. If if it is a chorus, because I don't know, this is an album of choruses. But, and this is when you get that really the contrast between the sort of heavy music in the background and that whispering. Yeah, I got the notes. There's a call and response in this song. Yeah, yeah. At the beginning, it's a call and then a response. It's that's, like that's right. It's, yeah, it's yeah, like your chant. Course. It's like it's it's almost like uh like a church like cult atmosphere where they're they're chanting something and then there's a response. There's like call and one, respond. One's in call, the growl and yeah. one's in the scream. 
But that chorus. Yeah, it, I love that. Yeah, it's very it, horror show. It's like it's like a whole. It's a thing. Yeah, performance. How could a man of love let this happen? Yeah. How could a man of love be this deceitful? How could a man of love not giveth? And how could a man of love taketh away? And it's, 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 it's delivered the first time you hear it. Yeah. In whispers. And yeah. It's, it's probably the first time on the album you hear what could equate to a, to a hook. You, you you mentioned that this scares the shit out of you, or like it's scary. Yeah. And I listened to As a this. work of art, it's yeah. fucking scary. I listened to this last night here by myself, and I had to have my headphones on because I've had some noise, noise complaints from the neighbors recently. Asshole. Yeah, fucking hell. Um, and I was lying in bed, and, you know, I could just, I could just hear this fucking hook in my head, like, I was like, yeah. nah, <laughs> nah, nah, cut it off. <laughs> but my my last note is um, tell, tell t- me it's tell, tell me, me where it's the last line. You are not my lord. Pathetic illusion. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. That that comes direct. Like, is that near the end? It's 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 right after the chorus, but right at the end is this one. Fuck you, Jesus Christ! Oh. You are no lord of mine. Like, yeah. I mean. Go whales! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you said this at the start. We alluded to enjoying the music without agreeing with the the statement. It's fucking brutal, yeah. and it's on the nose. Yeah, it is what it is. It is what it it's, is. It's all part of, and I see it the same way as you do. Like, you watch a horror film, you don't take it literally. It's a piece yeah. of drama. It's a piece of storytelling. I see this the same way. It's all part of the performance i guess yeah i guess that's why i brought up mandy because i feel like this is the album equivalent to mandy it's just down and dirty there's scenes in that film mandy that you can't quite make out what you're seeing yeah mandy's too i think it's like why didn't they put it in better focus why couldn't i see the details on the the motorcycle man's face well because you're not supposed to it's scarier when you can't quite tell what you're hearing or seeing i feel like mandy's too too modern and too trippy and this is more like a low budget 70s occult horror film you didn't think mandy was pulled off a little bit of a i mean we're sidetracking but i thought mandy was a little bit of a low budget-esque look yeah yeah no i agree grainy but it had own grain i guess the content of this feels more i can't think of a horror film but like Okay. Yeah. The Omen. Or yeah. Yeah, not, yeah. Not necessarily yes. the Omen, but yes. that, you know, that era. Yes. That occult. Yes. Mandy's more. Oh fuck! I don't. A know. modern twist. Yeah. No, you nailed it. Yeah. Or like it's it's got that kind of depravity of like listen, chainsaw master. Listen, you already you already won me over with Omen. Cause we're, we're going. The, we're the, going omen, the Omen is a masterpiece. We are going off piece, right? I now. did it all for you, Damien. <laughs> you need to whisper that, mate. That's more in keeping. Um, all right, dude. So, I mean, 
what else stands out to you as, yeah, I'll as just a blow, highlight? I'll I guess, blow through or... the other half real quick. The um, My notes here, As Fire, track six. Mm-hmm. I got in quotes, Welcome to Hell. Yeah. And it's, uh, again, being a fan of contrast and dynamic range, there's a fucking piano interlude. sounds beautiful yeah it's, it's like what yeah I how have... is this so nasty and so scary and then there's a clean piano interlude and i get also gonna note that this track has the nastiest lyrics of all uh, of the whole album i think I've and got i didn't them, and it, i think i've got them highlighted as well i didn't write any down but i just have a note that that, that, that these lyrics are the nastiest give us the taste no more Christian, no more Muslim, kill religion, Judaism, kill the mother and the father, kill the priest, holy man. Yeah, man, I mean, like... Done deal. Done deal. You know, that's that's where I, mean, I read that and I was like, that is fucked up. But at the same time, it's like, it doesn't matter what your background is, what your beliefs are. Fuck you. Like, yeah, they're just... I think we. I read in one of the reviews before, it was like... The album ranges from an attack on religion to just attack on humanity. Yeah. And it's like... Yeah, and then we're, we're going to build up to my favorite part of this album that I I don't visit this album that often, but I'll get to the to the ending here. The um, track 7, 8 um, are interesting. Uh, track 9 is the Spanish guitar interlude. Yeah, I, which I bring, appreciate that one. Which, I brings a little, nice. which brings a little drama, but... Um, it's tastefully done. They definitely are gifted in their guitar playing. Uh, track 10, Redimus, uh, title track for the album name there, has a very eerie build to it. Yeah. And they're shouting, they're chanting, we return, and they're chanting the word hate, hate, uh-huh. hate. And I think that's really the, 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 the build-up before the pinnacle, which is track 11. But Redimus is really championing their return and they're chant they're they're chanting hate and it's really about the pagans versus the christians in that song oh nice in my opinion and so i think it really stands out that track as um, yeah it's quite different to the rest because it you know it starts off with that bass intro the guitars are sort of drenched in chorus and then you have like atmospheric rain and thunder and yeah. like all that sort of stuff and then this layered vocals and like you know when he when he mentioned this all builds up in the hate like it's hate hate yeah exactly it's um again on the nose but if I'm, you're gonna chant something I don't get Like you said, it's just—it's about as dark and blackened and 
Misanthropic, which brings us to the last track, which is hands down my favorite song on this album. Okay, let me challenge you on that quickly. Okay. Because if you go on Spotify, this album has 11 songs. If you read anywhere, it has... If you read elsewhere, it has 12. You did your research, Niall. Overriding imagination. I, I missed I, that until last night. Well, again, going back to uh, my age and history of this album, I have the actual album. I own the album, so I have that song at home. Right. I can safely say I've probably listened to it once, maybe twice. Right. Because of the advent of Spotify, I now just listen to Spotify. And Is there a reason I, why it's not on there? That's a great question. We'll have to do uh, a follow-up on that, but I just... I, I mean, I tried to look. I couldn't couldn't find anywhere why it was that way. But what I could gather was all of... It's forgettable. All of, all of, their, all of their albums on Spotify have 2016 next to them. Right. And what that tells me is they Not have, everyone's tagging it properly. But also, when you sign up to Spotify as an artist, you can sign up as like a premium user or a regular user okay. if you sign up as a premium user you can put an album on and then change the date that it came out if you sign up as a regular user you just upload all your albums and, and you get what you get you get 2016 for all five of the releases they have on there so i don't know whether it's dropped off or it's just not there like it it's strange that it's not on spotify but yeah. I, it, it spotify doesn't seem to be a reliable source for your hecate enthroned yeah. Information. Yeah. And because I guess there's albums that they don't have on there, like uh, uh, the the one you mentioned, Virulent, Virulent Rapture, fucking masterpiece. And yeah. you have you have to go on YouTube to to play that, and I highly suggest you play that because that is their best album. Yeah, that's what that's what the majority. Of it's people the hardest to find, but that album is supreme. That's, that's where what it all came to say. a head. Yeah. But um, speaking of coming to a head, that on Spotify. And in my own mind and opinion, Choose Misanthropy, the 11th track, is the masterpiece on this album. It reminds me of Death Atlas that um, that just came out recently mm-hmm. um, from Cattle Decapitation. Yep. I almost always work backwards from this album. I start with Choose Misanthropy. If you're not familiar with what a misanthrope is, it's a detest or genuine hatred for humanity. And although I walk the line between considering myself one, <laughs> this song is uh, therapy for me. When, when I've had a bad day or I've had to deal with complete idiots. Um, but sonically, the intro is really creepy, super creepy 70s sounding horror show intro. The The crescendo and build is, is absolutely Tremendous in my opinion. And once those wretched screams come in, I think there's a point where he's like, it's no wonder it's no wonder why I hate. Mm-hmm. And then it just kicks off. And the snare sounds like a machine gun. Absolutely blows me away every yeah. time I listen to this song. And the, the synth that just hits in the background just adds to the air of... of of fear on this song and like I said I think it, this is just a catalyst and complete uh, encapsulation of how dark this album is 
and revealing a darker side of me, I guess, this song is just, uh, I mean, touching on the lyrics, the, the mind war rages on. Um, it, it harkens back to the cover. It's, it's, it's something that lives within all of us, the battle between good and evil. Mm-hmm. Um, the machine gun blasts, the machine gun blasts at the beginning are just tremendous. And it, again, encapsulates all that's blackened in black metal. This song, to me, is a raw, underproduced, charming masterpiece of black metal. Choose Misanthropy is one of my top five black metal songs of all time. Wow, wonderful. I'll give you my highlight is actually the seventh track, The Shining Delight. And um, what a question mark. Yeah, yeah I don't okay. remember what my notes were. My, my notes are a question mark. So the reason Maybe why. Maybe I, I didn't know how I felt about it. The reason why I like this one is um, I it's 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 got a lot of brutality, speed, aggression. I think the riffing's really, really nice on this. Uh-huh. Really, really good. Um, there's a tempo change halfway through, some more awesome riffing. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's a really good, it's a really good track. Now my only, and this will be something that well I'll revisit in my final thoughts. It doesn't need the synth. It like uh. I think it did, when you listen to that song, um, especially through like the sort of main riffs, like you take that synth away. I think it it, it if you take away the synth, it sounds heavier, brutal like more aggressive this is over quickly this song if i remember correctly but i think it's just rip roaring yeah everything that i would expect from a black metal album it's it's definitely scary but i think it's scary it would be scary without the synth which sometimes kind of takes me out of like the sort of aggression i'm feeling yeah they may have forced the synth into some of these songs i think so Well, why don't we um, why don't we wrap it up with kind of overall thoughts and mm-hmm. um, give me your rating out of ten? Sure. Um, top tracks, real quick. No one hears uh, is my first one. My favorite of the entire album is "Choose Misanthropy." Yep. And then, as far as review go, reviews go, uh, if I have to be honest with myself. I give it a 7 out of 10, mm-hmm. and that's just, again, part of the um, the brutal honesty about where this lives in the discography of their other albums, because their other albums are better, but there's just something about this album that I can't quite, well, I can't put my finger on. It's just, and charming's the wrong word, because it's very blackened, It it just still scares me. And it's just got that special place to be an album that's so shitty, so underproduced and raw without giving a fuck, but still being on the nose lyrically mm-hmm. dark. Uh, seven out of ten. But uh, I guess in a weird way, it's 
probably higher in a, in my mind somewhere else. But in general, to the to the layman, to the public, this album is definitely a six or seven out of ten. Yeah, I think that's really I think that's really fair. And I, you know, it, it it sort of made me think that as horror fans or people like horror films, sometimes the horror films that you enjoy the most aren't the horror films that the critics would say are the best of all time. Well said. There's like a, an experience. That when, I was, when I was growing up, me and my friends used to go to the cinema and watch any horror film, regardless of how shit it looked. You know, it was like, even if there was something that was a guaranteed Oscar winner blockbuster on the cinema, we would choose the shit horror film just because there's an, exp- really? there's an experience in, yeah. in watching... Like sometimes that's the, it. the shitter, the more yeah. like the rawer, the yeah. like the dirtier, the better. It's, so I think that you feel it more. I think that kind of feeds into my feelings towards the album. Um, it's 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 obviously as I mentioned before, it's not my something I'm a genre I'm familiar with. It's not a band I'm familiar with, but you know I I love being challenged to like you said to me if you're up for it. I was like okay, well better. <laughs> better be up for it and you know it just opens the doors to you know I'm, I'm more accepting of this kind of music through doing this which is yeah fantastic for what it's worth parts that i love about the album i think the there's there's a ferocity and an aggression to it both lyrically and sonically yeah. ferocity well you said. can you can feel you can feel the the sort of venom that they spit and Ooh, whether, nice. whether they fully believe it or not they deliver it in yeah. a convincing way uh, there's a nice blend of speed blast beats but there's also mid-tempo chugging that I mentioned kind of had like an early Slayer-esque uh-huh. riffage I'm generally drawn to guitar based music riff based music so that appealed to me um, I think overall there's a and I'm not familiar with the band not familiar with the genre but it feels like it's quite experimental like they are trying a lot of things I kind of echo what one of the previous reviews said that sometimes it works and sometimes maybe it feels like they'd have been better off focusing their energies on, yeah. on certain things maybe they're busy trying to not sound like Cradle of Filth I don't know maybe <laughs> maybe maybe they were just trying as many things to make the most fucked up record that they could we don't know what their motivations were but I do think that at times it does distract a bit from the power of certain yeah. parts of the of the um, of the the album. I certainly think that the synth to me is used excessively. Yeah. Um, we talked about this. I think from the very first episode in Flames was one of the first bands that I'd ever heard that used synth and metal. Uh-huh. And it's one of those really divisive things isn't it you it hear is. it and it either takes you completely out or you go with it and I think if it's used sparingly it can really elevate the music yeah I agree there's a part I think in um, it, it might be in Headhunter one of the early tracks where oh it might be so- no it's Soil of, Soil of Sin is that mm. the first first track yeah um, they use the strings on a part Mm-hmm. you know midway through the song where the song breaks down and the strings come in as there's like a nice guitar part underneath and i think if it was more effectively used just in small parts like that i think it would really push this the sound to the next level but the fact that it's kind of it's another instrument in the band that is playing almost constantly yeah distracts a bit too much and i think 
you know, you mentioned that you, these these guys aren't as theatrical as a cradle of filth, but there's certainly theatrical moments in sonically, in, sonically, definitely. Um, and I mentioned like a, a bit of a, I don't know, Phantom of the Opera yeah. kind of vibe. Um, that said, I enjoyed the experience of listening to this, and I actually give it a six out of ten, which um, I think uh, again it. Part of that is down to personal taste, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. I'm always able to appreciate things that are maybe not something that I'd listen to on a daily basis, but provoke a response from you. And similar to you, like it provoked like a response of kind of been a bit scared by it. And I think yeah. that having that reaction to it is worthy of a decent rating. If I was more familiar with this genre... And I could scrutinize it a bit. Maybe I'd take that that mark down, potentially. Mm. But I think six out of ten um, is 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 pretty good for for what we're talking about. Yeah, and I'm surprised. I respect. <laughs> well, I respect you bringing it to the table and and defending its 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 merits against what yeah. seems to be um, not universal but widespread yeah. dissatisfaction. Yeah. Awesome stuff, dude. Yeah. Um, good one. We normally talk about. You know, a bit of a leg- oh, that's right. legacy piece um, on the album. Unfortunately, I think the wealth of uh, setlist knowledge isn't exactly strong on the internet. And I think from both, I, I checked out a couple of sources, Setlist FM and uh, another website called Concerty. Um, all I could dredge up was, a f- was pretty much, I think it only encompasses something like their last 40 shows. Their last set list that I could find that was complete was from October 27th, 2019, um, where they played at um, Sala Silicona in Madrid, in Spain. I hope I pronounced that correctly. In which they didn't play a single song from this album. <laughs> <laughs> and from Good luck. I, I think from their last so many... Because, again, I said this isn't a very comprehensive... It seems... It seems that from the amount of information that we were able to get, they've only played one song in so in maybe the last forty from uh, this album. From this album, which one? As fire. Oh wow! Okay. Um, so it, I think it's 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 safe to say that it hasn't gone on to have the long lasting effect. But I think reading the reviews, it's hardly surprising. Yeah. Um, it's clearly divisive, and you you mentioned before in terms of. In terms of where they got, where the guys went next, virulent rap, virulent rapture in 2013, which is you know so good. That's quite a gap. That's nine nine years between the albums. But yeah, that's, what are these guys doing? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Um, that's heralded as potentially their best album. So yeah. they went on to bigger and better things. Yep. All right, nice one, dude. Um, uh, I think we'll wrap it up there. Yep. Um, just a reminder that if you like what you're hearing, please uh, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And if you have any comments, uh, suggestions, any feedback, you want to get in touch, the uh, email is metalrecallpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for joining me, mate. And uh, till next time. Cheers. Cheers.